Hello and welcome to the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Weight. It's very exciting today because this is the first podcast where we're out on the road. So we're actually at Donington Valley um, Hotel. And And spa. Hotel and spa. And I'm joined by Mr. Ben Eltham, who you might have heard last week on our podcast episode for the first time. Just just turned up this time again. Yeah, he's here. (laughs) It's quite local for him, you see. Yeah, excellent. And Mr. Paul Waite. And um, it's a very exciting um, episode today because we're going to be speaking to a lovely lady called Oksana Archimenko. Dr. Oksana. Dr. Oksana. And she's actually just joined us. I can see her arriving. So that's, that's, that's brilliant. Are you so arriving, she can jump Oksana? on. No, I think Oksana's arrived. You see, not arriving. Come and sit down on these, um, these comfy chairs. Very low down, though. I feel very different to where we were last week in the studio. Mm, quite low down. Mm different atmosphere this we have a good representation lovely. today because oxana comes from maidenhead and uh ben comes from wokingham so um we have a good southern representation oh yes and and this episode is going to be exciting we're going to be talking about innovation today uh-huh. um and and so really excited to talk to <laughs> oxana about that because i believe um oxana that you're um a specialist in, in innovation in the in the medical sector specifically um Yes. <laughs> it's a great starting point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very excited. Um, so, yes, I work in healthcare industry for 18 years, and um, I can see there are so many fascinating things coming to the market. Mm. Um, what I can see nowadays that innovation in healthcare coming from um, technology, especially from mm. IT. Oh, okay. Um, and um, what we can see that there are so many companies now uh, using machine learning and artificial intelligence oh, to uh, use uh, to create their devices and mm. or technologies. As an example, in in the old days. Um, a lot of drugs and medical devices were created in the labs, mm-hmm. but now we can see that they use machine learning, as I said, and artificial intelligence to identify. You do simulations and things, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. to identify new drugs mm-hmm. and new medical devices. Mm. Also, I can see that there are many healthcare innovations coming from across sector industries. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, for example, from the space industry. Uh, last year, oh. I used to work with one fascinating companies where the clever engineers had had their PhD and work, uh, worked um, in a space. So they used this technology to create a very clever medical device to face healthcare challenges and use it in aesthetic medicine and um, wound care. Uh, that's that's really interesting because um, one of our um, uh, innovation clients is the Royal Bucks Hospital, uh, who are the world's leaders in um, neurological and spinal injuries. And um, it's very relevant what Oksana was saying. And of course, what we're trying to do today is um, bring home uh, innovation in a very practical way to listeners so they understand you know, quite what's going on, etc. And it's quite an interesting link-up because at the Royal Bucks, they've invested in a, a suit which was invented by the US military, which is a skeleton. Um, and it was originally invented to help get um, 
soldiers who were stricken on the on, on the battlefield, um, off the battlefield, basically. Um, so it's obviously a, a rigid skeleton that a, a paraplegic could be in, for instance. And what the Royal Bucks Hospital has done is taken that uh, military technology and they've they've turned it into um, something they use for um, paraplegics. Mm. Well. Um, so it's a, so it's a that's great a cross, example. Cross sector, like, like I cross just thought it was very relevant, saying, yeah. very relevant application of um, technology that originated in my case in the mm. military field, which has then gone into mainstream. Um, in this case, spinal um, uh, treatment. I think the other thing we ought to say before um, we carry on is, um, so Oksana uh, comes from a very glamorous place, in my opinion. Um, the city of Odessa. It is a city, isn't it? It is. Um, so those of you um, who haven't seen the film, you must go and watch The Odessa File, um, which is written by um, someone like Forsyth or someone like I can't remember, that sort of type person. Um, so um, Oksana's got um, a BSc in, in cardiology or medical science? What is it? Yes, I'm, I'm a cardiologist by training. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so Oksana comes into innovation from... Um, uh, position of of being a, a renowned cardiologist, but as I was saying in the travel in the trip up today with the lads, that to call Oksana a cardiologist would be like calling me an accountant. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, that's my analogy there. So mm. there's a lot there's a lot more there, and yes, it make, makes me think. Um, so in, innovation to us as a as a whole, um, just starting it and taking it right back to basics. I was speaking to Ben um, on the phone yesterday. And I was thinking, what what does innovation to, uh, mean to me? And it's um, it's uh, it's and it's solving a solving a problem in a way that hasn't been done before. So I would just seeing as we're sur- surrounded by people who um, are specialists in innovation, uh, what what would it actually mean to you as as a concept? Well, it's interesting what you said. I mean, I I think it's um, something like an idea, a methodology, or a product, mm. um, which is bringing something. Novel to the market, new. Yeah, same same thing. Jack, yeah. You know. um, <laughs> so, um, as we've discussed before, you know, one of my favourite words is adapt. Mm. So, quite often, technology is is adapted from something that already exists to make it to make it better. Um, so, it's um, I suppose you know, as a generalisation, it's interesting. This I did some research yesterday before today's podcast, and there's a very um, interesting article on the internet with. Um, 15 renowned innovators who were all asked the same question as to what they each considered innovation to be and of course they all gave um, completely different answers which I I found and I thought I I personally saw some validity in all of them you know uh, what what do you think? Yeah because I think a a lot of people can think of innovation as more like a product um, bringing bringing, but but it can be it can also be processes and and in business that are we, we we look at that. It's always it's always about Im- improving a process in in an innovative way. So I was it's making me think about like um, uh, like like an innovative mindset and promoting that in a company. Like like companies need that to be able to grow, and it's in every aspect of their business, not just uh, not just a, a new product or um, yeah. So well, that's that's why I said it's an idea, or it could be a methodology, or mm. or a process. But an idea in itself isn't an innovation. But what you do with that idea can become an innovation. So, um, so you know, uh, we can all have lots of ideas, but I think something truly innovative is when you can take that idea and bring it uh, to something that actually has value. Yeah, one of the things I think that's always good, when, certainly when I'm seeing clients, I like to um, 
tell stories which are based on fact, you know, because I think it's um, it's much easier to try to relate something that's real to someone than talk about something, um, you know, which isn't. So, in my own case, um, I um, I was diagnosed with um, uh, intermittent atrial fibrillation uh, five years ago, and um, as a consequence of that, one of the things I now have is I have a little transmitter exactly there on my chest. Uh, it, was only, it was a very small thing and basically what that does is it means that um Musgrove Park Hospital in Taunton can basically monitor my heart rate uh, whenever they want oh wow um and I've also got a little device that if if I felt distressed then I can press that button and it sends a message to the hospital um so every now and again I get a letter saying your heart was 201 yesterday and I go yeah because I just cycled up a bloody hill you, know, <laughs> you idiots you know <laughs> but again that's, 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 if you think about um, well even 10 years ago probably um, that's not something that could have been done so mm. people were basically um, you know carrying quite serious conditions that were either A not diagnosed and then even if they were the ability for the um for, for the, to the health service to treat those people was actually quite limited in, in comparison to today. So technology is obviously, um, you know, as Oksana was saying, I think the um, the advent of technology, and of course one of the things that, you know, we want to be doing today as well in this um, hopefully post-Brexit scenario is, um, and I'd be interested to see Oksana's view on this, but in my opinion Britain leads the world by some distance in the field of art- artificial intelligence. And, and, and as we've established before in previous episodes, that something like 53% of the acknowledged top 100 inventions of all time all originated from Great Britain. Of course, the, the very sad uh, thing, which hopefully um, we can all do something about, and the other thing, you know, talking about um, Oxana is no more a cardiologist than I am an accountant. So one of the things Oxana is very um, heavily involved in is... Um, it's basically working with investors and um, a, a wide range of, of businesses from startups to, you know, very high tech. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, what, what happens in, in Britain, unfortunately, and is true of the um, 53%, is that of those 53%, only about 40% of those inventions actually stayed in the UK. And most, right. most 60% of them actually were funded uh, probably by Japanese or USA companies. Mm. That's what I was, so I was going to ask about that. So um, we have a lot of innovation and ideas, but like I was saying earlier, it's like it's like actually to take them into the next stage. It's um, it requires a lot of investment, a lot of planning, and all of that. So was, yeah. So I was going to ask uh, about that, like where. Um, the funding in the UK, where most of it kind of would come from, would it be private or, or, or government funding? Or what? What I would like to say that <laughs> the government now is very supportive of oh, innovations, okay. uh, not only in healthcare, in a different kind oh. of industries. It could be healthcare, engineering, but in healthcare in particular. Um, so uh, there are many competitions run by Innovate UK and companies can apply to receive the government grants. For example... Innovate UK is Innovate the government um, is, is the government body for... Uh, yes, yes. And you're an you're advisor to Innovate UK? I'm an assessor. For an assessor, UK. yeah. Yes, I'm assessing healthcare companies. And for example, the last competition, it was enabling uh, integrated diagnostic for easy detection 
and there are 17 up to 17 million pounds will be invested uh, to help company to develop their product so government is very supportive mm. and that's why I think and I agree with Paul that there are many innovations uh, and ideas created in the UK and they become very attractive to the overseas investors mm -hmm. oh. but uh, the startups now um, have a lot of support from the government, mm. from the angel investors as well, oh, okay. and from the VCs group in, in the UK. Mm. And also what I would like to tell that there are many hubs and scientific hubs where mm -hmm. created accelerators and uh, ecosystems were created in the UK, not only around the universities like Oxford, Cambridge, UCL, Imperial College, but um, in, in the different cities as well. It's all about to support our startups, all about to support innovation and, and new and ideas. And keep it in the UK as well. I yes, one, one, I think one of the, um, I don't know how, how involved you get with this, would be Horizon 2020. Uh, do you get involved in that as well? Uh, yes. So Horizon 2020 is um, an EU, well, Europe, European stroke EU um, initiative. Um, and the UK, I think... Um, ranks something like seventh uh, in terms of proportionate, you know, proportionate to its population, its GDP, uh, in terms of um, pounds uh, it, it gets from um, Horizon 2020 projects into its, its companies. Mm -hmm. And again, just to show um, our credentials, um, so one of my longest standing colleagues, uh, Abdul Rahim, um, is hugely involved in uh, that whole sector and is probably arguably the most influential person in the UK in, in um, Horizon 2020, 2020 projects. Mm. So um, there is a lot of EU money around as well. In fact, one of the, probably one of the fears in the post-Brexit scenario is, um, is whether you know, those schemes will be uh, eligible to us, to, to UK companies, if we're no longer in the EU. Mm. So um, our, one of our trusted partners, uh, Cresco Innovation, actually have uh, an office in um, in Waterford in the Republic of Ireland um, which obviously gives them a nice hedge uh, so they're potentially um, got a foot in and out of the water so to speak in the post-Brexit scenario. Mm. Uh, yeah and it makes you think about um, measuring innovation as well like um, in, in the UK uh, we're, we're talking about um, different ways that um, innovation can be funded and R&D tax credits are a are another another big one they kind of go in line with um, okay. with, with innovation because that's another government scheme that um, that that encourages uh, companies to invest money into innovative projects that they're working on within their company yeah and I know we're, we're, <laughs> we're specialists in in that area as well at Aspen way and it's really exciting to um, um, have uh, have Oksana here uh, to to be a specialist in the in the medical sector because that is a whole other area that opens us up to so um, yes R and D tax credits I think it's interesting as well uh, that link between what we were talking about the the, the funding because R and D is is an area specifically obviously we know well that that people people perhaps aren't aware of that 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 funding that you can that you that's been set in place by the government similar to to other areas of funding I think it's a, it's Innovation is, is something, particularly when we talk about uh, funding and ways that you can grow. It, it probably people aren't aware enough of of so what's available there. to them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear, I'm not going to be a bit pedantic here. So R and D tax credits aren't funding. 
No, but as, as far as you, you can get money to yeah, yeah. innovate. But, but the reason I was being pedantic with you is, is, is actually there is um, a common uh, misunderstanding in the marketplace that... So I often, when I'm sat down in front of a client, I say, no, this is not soft money or it's not a grant. It's actually an important yeah. piece of tax legislation. That, that's what it is. And, of course, to some extent, the R&D tax credits and the grants uh, can be mutually exclusive. So having, having a large grant to uh, fund a project... Uh, can in many cases uh, prejudice the R&D claim, for instance, because um, the government's not going to give you this, the same money twice. The other thing I ought to point out, given that we are um, obviously a national company and we have a particularly thriving uh, business in Wales, is the other source of uh, funding would come from local government. So Welsh government, for instance, that we know very well. Welsh government is um, is very active in supporting uh deserving businesses in South Wales, North Wales. Um, so that's another way um, outside of, say, Innovate UK. Mm-hmm. And, and the Scottish government would do the same. I, 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 I can't okay. speak to, I don't know, and often Northern Ireland, but I know well, the Welsh government has a very serious innovations side. And in fact, they just started um, creating regional pods, um, Welsh government. And I've been talking to um, some of the heads of the city councils about how we might be able to um, help advise to make them more successful. Mm. Ah, nice. Do you think awareness is, going back to that, I think it's important to clarify as well what you said about, um, you know, the difference between the grants and then R&D tax credits. The awareness of of perhaps what you can, not just what you can do, but, but the support, that's probably a better word for it, the support that is actually there for, if am I right in saying, sort of leading practitioners in their field to go and do all the things that you started to talk about that the support is there if you if you if you know where to find it yes yes of course and that's been why we aim to support all the companies and all the businesses coming to us from the different perspectives from the R&D talks from the funding from the putting even business plans together and help them to find their way to the market mm. yeah, I suppose you're know, talking about the awareness thing so I think you know the the the, the stats still showing that something like only about eight percent of businesses uh that that would qualify are actually claiming r&d tax credits mm. uh, which is quite an incredible uh, stat isn't it well in fact the true stat is is because because obviously i'm on the um right on the right hand side of the scale in terms of uh, how i look at innovation so um you know i, I think i worked out that there were probably seven hundred and fifty thousand limited companies in the uk uh, that could be making a decent claim that weren't. Mm. It's, a, it's a huge number, isn't it? Seven hundred and fifty thousand, and I think that's probably quite a quite a prudent assessment. So you've got, um, yeah, general um, lack of understanding, ignorance, and mm. um, sometimes even fear. And we were we were talking yesterday um, about um, a new client that actually is very afraid to uh, get involved in R&D tax credits because they believe that it will put them on the radar of HMRC. Mm. And of course, the, the, the reality is, is it, it's actually an HMRC-sponsored initiative, and HMRC themselves are do have a marketing budget to promote the scheme. Mm. So the way I, I always say to people is, you should regard HMRC as like policemen. You know, their duty is there to to serve the public, but if the public get out of order, they do have to give them a smack. You know, in the, <laughs> so HMRC's job is not to sit there and go no no in fact i've had um quite lengthy conversations with revenue inspectors in a very supportive way 
my longest standing R and oh, let's get this a plug actually. So my longest standing R and D client, which is a, a client called Crystalline, based in um, the New Forest in Ringwood. Um, uh, so I, I did a claim for them in two thousand and six, which was the first claim um, I ever did, and. Um, Got what I was going to say. <laughs> that's all right. We can we can edit that about. That's what, fine. What was I going to say? What was it? Your first ever R and D claim, two thousand and six. Yeah, what was that about then? Oh, shit. Was it good experience? Yeah. What's the tea like? HM, HM and oh yeah, thank you. That's what it was. They yeah. are supportive. Sorry. They, yeah, they are you. not policemen only, yeah. yeah, but they are supportive. Yeah. So yeah, my longest standing um, um, R and D client. Um, I remember. I think it was the second year that uh, I filed the claim, and. Um, the case inspector actually phoned me up and we ended up having a one-hour conversation um, about uh, the nature of the project because the inspector was, um, at that time, it was very early on in the, in the development of R&D tax credits and probably there were probably only a 1,000 claims in the country, I would imagine. And they were very much geared up towards sort of um, pharmaceutical-type claims where the majority of expenditure was in labour. And, of course, in the case of Crystalline, who have invented... Um, the world's first, um, it's like an implosion chamber. So effectively glass goes into this chamber and there's a unique um, uh, patented procedure which causes the molecular destruction of the molecules in the glass, wow. which I am told is akin to a opera singer doing the oh thing. Um, mm-hmm. And literally what happens is is that you can you can actually walk on the glass because it's, it's not sharp anymore, for instance, you know. So um, that was a way for them to break it down to recycle? Um, well, obviously, obviously um, well, obviously, it's um, it's a a safer product to to dispose of, but obviously, glass itself can be turned into products. So, for instance, um, uh, glass is put into roads, uh, which retails at about eight pounds a ton. But you can also put glass and powder form into paint when it's worth over a thousand pounds a ton. Oh wow! So, obviously, if you had glass and you process it down to a small number of microns, um, that becomes an, an incredibly valuable uh, product. I think they can do it now. It's called Venetian, something like this. So they mm-hmm. they they have a special paint when yeah. they paint it. It looks like glass. Yeah, that's. I think maybe. So yeah, so th- th- it was quite interesting. So you know, just to show that we were we really are at the forefront of everything that's going on. Um, it, it would be true to say that actually uh, I had to educate the inspector in how to um, how to properly assess an engineering project because he wasn't familiar with that so obviously our claim was mostly to do with prototypes real machines um, and comparatively little labor but um just wanted to say something publicly so one of the things um that's happened crystalline has been um, a fantastic company which i think um has deserved to be a global success for quite some time it would be a very good example of um a company where you you just don't understand why they're they haven't done that and it's it's been quite a struggle so although um, there's been quite tremendous global interest, you know, from a number of companies, uh, countries, sorry. Um, it seems to be now, we, we, we seem to be finally getting there. So yesterday, um, I very joyously got a text from the, the, the C, CEO and uh, a guy I've been working with, as I say, for I think about 20 years now, um, to say that um, had a very large multi-million pound deposit from from Africa, I won't say where because it's, it's confidential. Um, in terms of an exciting new project, so um, so again, you know, we I think the, the thing I think with us as well, you know, we're talking about innovation today. But the other thing is, obviously, you know, we're trying to make the point. You know, I keep going about we're true friends and everything. So, 
you know, the, the 20 years working uh, with these people has been far from easy. If I told you all the things <laughs> that have happened, some of them would be seat of the pants, some of the worst things in my life. Um, seriously. Um, but, you know, we've, we've stayed we've stayed together and um, seen the bigger picture and, and, and got to somewhere really impressive, you know. So it's not often you can say, you know, you work with someone who genuinely you believe has the best product in the, mar- in the world. Um, you know, and I genuinely believe that company has. I mean, I guess we, we, talk, we touched on this a little bit last week, but uh, especially when you talk about things like innovation, um, and there's so, there's so many words behind it, but that, that what you said about the journey, um, and I'm sure in your experience as well, Oksana, it's tough. It's not, it's not something that comes easy to be innovative at, at high levels. Yes, there are a lot of complications to be innovative, especially in healthcare, because you have to consider so many stakeholders. Uh, for example, the molecular medical device has to go through the regulatory bodies, yes, to approve the efficacy and efficiency. Uh, we have to consider um, payers as an NHS, because NHS reimburse some, some of the products and, and private clinics. And also we have to consider um, patients as well. And as I said in Aspen White, we help the companies through their journeys. Uh, it doesn't matter, it's in healthcare or all other businesses. We help them to understand their way and we will support them through from the beginning, from the innovation, from the creation to the all the pathway to the market and above. I think um, something you said just now is worth bearing in mind. Uh, the vast majority of companies don't know how to innovate. So that is a, is, a, is a whole subject in itself. So um, it's not something we've actually been able to spend um, a huge amount of time and resource on, but one of the things I see Aspen Wake doing in the future, which hopefully um, will be much easier now, now we've got um, Guru Nanak Eltham working with us. Um, <laughs> there you go, yeah. Is, 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 it's, a, it's a real skill to, you know, one, one of my slogans is taking the fear out of business. Um, so if, if, if you can, because um, the thing is, you know, I did, um, I did a, a presentation in Reading uh, recently uh, on this and um, Oksana was present and it was very um, helpful to have someone of her stature talking about some of the projects uh, she, was, she was working on there. Um, but you know, one, of the, one, of the, one of the real beauties of uh, understanding why it's important to innovate is that innovation really does fuel growth. Mm. Um, innovation creates means of differentiating yourself from, from your other from your competitors. Mm. Um, enables you to develop, you know, new, new new products, and as I said in my presentation, you don't even have to take uh, the concept through to its, you know, its its its, its, its level of a true invention. Simply, um, for instance, you know, if you took a sausage, I tend to talk about sausages a lot as an analogy. If you had, you know, a sausage that cost ten p and you make it a bit cheaper and you make it tastier. Um, I think I said to people, if if having listened to me today, I can just inspire you to just be slightly more, um, you know, have radical it, and open to have change. Have like a more innovative yeah, mindset, more, a more uh, you know, more open mindset um, to everything you do, and, and 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 I think to some extent it all goes part and parcel of, of the customer experience, doesn't it? Even the medical thing, if you think about it, um, you know, if, if if one can if one can make better drugs, make better medical products, if you can reduce. Um, the care time in the hospital so you know patients traditionally would be in hospital for four weeks but you can make it four days that means labor costs reduce doesn't it and all that sort of thing yeah, health economics 
yes, it's called health economics. Yeah, that actually, yes. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. We do um, we do an awful lot of work in um, the healthcare. Well, if you call it healthcare, so care homes, um, cognitive sciences. So one of the things that um, I spend quite a lot of my time working with my clients on is the concept of because um, quite often, what's quite interesting. A lot of people turn around to me and say, "How can you do a R and D claim for a care home company? You know, what's the R and D in that?" Well, to me, that just shows um, an inability to think about what's really going on. So if you actually think about, you know, a traditional care home, say it has 40 residents, most of the care homes we work with, um, a large number of the residents would have some degree of issue. So it could be aggression, um, and then, you know, neurological things like Alzheimer's, dementia, those, those sort of things, you know. And then... Um, even even sort of more interesting sociological ones uh, had got into a very interesting discussion with probably my leading care home client recently about things like prison offenders, people in prisons that were suffering from neurological disease, you know, what should happen there, um, sex offenders. So there are, what happens at the moment in the UK is people um, who have been convicted of sex offences, you know, maybe even paedophiles um, historically, um, they they um when they start suffering from say dementia or alzheimer's uh, the current solution is basically stick them in a prison cell and throw away the key you know that's 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 that wouldn't be wrong to say that because we got into this very interesting discussion about um so if you look at it from a medical point of view that person doesn't know who they are anymore they don't know what they did 40 years ago mm. so from from a medical point of view that person is no longer dangerous so if, if you actually look at it actually from a costing point of view it costs something ridiculous uh, I can't remember what it is now tens of thousands of pounds a year to look after a prisoner whereas it would cost something like I think it's one quarter of that to put that person into a home okay now what, where, where you get into the soci- socio side of it is can you imagine what the public would say if if there was a care home down the road with 40 residents and eight of them were uh, convicted paedophiles, say, and, and you said, well, that's all right because they've all got Alzheimer's, you know? Mm. So it's just... just, just sometimes, anyway, mm. the, the point I was going to make is with, with innovation is um, probably t- typically in, 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 in a situation where the patient has some degree of issue, um, the staffing ratio may be as high as two to one, now, if, if by innovating, the care, the care home uh, management can, for instance, create solutions where those people are, say, less troubled, they're happier, whatever, um, if you could then go from two to one to one and a half to one, you're now going to reduce your labour costs by 25%, a further example of Oxana's health economics. So actually, when, when you, the way I tend to look at innovation, you see, which is um, probably why I've been in innovation all my life, is that any business, in all businesses, all businesses have problems and it's issues. And if you actually get under the skin of the business and actually say, what is it we're trying to do here, then you get commonality of purpose. It doesn't matter whether it's a care home or it's Royal Bucks or it's cardiology, you know? We said uh, a moment ago, we said support, but it's probably to go a step further, educate. You know, educating businesses is, 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 is... really what we're doing well just to butt into one of aspen Waite's slogans is educate advise innovate. yes of course yeah that's one, that's one of our key slogans yeah and, and it makes you think can you teach innovation yes yes definitely there you go that, that was my that was point. Quick. We've, we've, we've sorted that out yeah. 
you can. I didn't say it was easy. Because mm. I, I said earlier that most it. people have a mindset which is so, so almost it's hostile to innovation, I would mm. say. So it's teaching a mindset. Teaching, teaching a way of different well, it's, way of it's, thinking. It, it's obviously a lot of things, isn't it? it it's, it's creating a, a situation through education where, firstly, people can see the benefit of doing it. So if you can say to them, actually, you're selling sausages, you're selling 100 sausages, but if you innovated, you could sell 1,000 sausages or you know, or whatever it was. You know, you're selling two, two types of beer. Why don't you start selling cider? Or why don't you... People are actually, at the moment, the trend is with people, they want to drink this. So why don't you go and make that, you know? Um, why, why do you think people are you, you mentioned being hostile towards innovation why, why what would the common uh, factors be fear. Fear. fear change lack of, edu- lack of education lack of understanding wrong mindset um, risk I don't know about risk I mean it's, it's interesting I mean one, one of the things which um, and this is this is not being a self-serving statement to say this now one of the things which um, you could almost say frightens me. I mean, it's good for me because it's a, it creates a massive opportunity for us. But I, for instance, uh, I picked up a new client last week um, in, in um, the Monmouth area of South Wales. It's quite a serious business now. It makes two and a half tonnes of sausages a week, has something like 100,000 chickens, has invested one and a half million pounds in biomass boilers, has the most advanced global aquaponics project in cannabis um, in the world, arguably, you know, all this wow. is going on. Now, um, to say it was almost like a poor weight masterclass, uh, uh, if, if you, I sat down with the owner, and if you had to think about all the issues and problems a business could run into, this guy had hmm. done it. Everything, you know, ev- all, all across the scale, right? And if you had to sum up why that was, um, and it's quite interesting because apparently the, the, the owner has a reputation for being quite difficult and not opening up. But I didn't. it wasn't like that with me. He was totally open because I think he genuinely thought I was trying to help him. And I would say that, that probably the, the um, if you said to me the biggest single reason why he's in the mess he's in is lack of advice. Mm. Right? It's not, and I'd say go more than that. It's not even, it's lack of advice and what he has got is actually dangerous rather than advisory do you see what I mean mm-hmm. so he's got people help advising him who don't have a vested interest in the change because they themselves would be frightened of the change does that make sense mm. yeah what you yeah, find with a, lot of, with a lot of traditional advisors they're used to working in this way <clears throat> this is this is how we do it this is the way we do it it's monotracked right so if, if the fact that actually that's not the way to do it in this case you need to be doing this you need to be looking at a more complex structure or going from a partnership to a, even to a limited company, say, if, if the advisor doing that is actually prejudiced against that, which in this case was true, then not only have you not got a good advisor, you've actually got the person who's incumbent... Detrimental. Actually, hard, you know, being, being put in a break on, you know? Yeah, uh, I think that's, it's good to identify those, uh, those reasons. I'm sure you've come across those challenges as well with people that are... Uh, like Paul said, just not not say not innovative because that's the wrong word, but not educated enough to understand or want to be innovative. What I can say that in any company, being the startup or big business, it's all about people. All about people. It's not only about innovation and idea. The idea could be brilliant, but if the people are not right, this idea and this innovation will go nowhere. So I absolutely agree with Paul. The the people and their approach uh, is very important. Now I think that's why um, 
genuinely, you know, one one of the probably the single biggest reason I get out of bed in the morning is to help genuinely to, is to is to help somebody else. So to go into a two hour meeting and potentially completely transform somebody's life just because you actually can see, you know, so you're, you've got the wrong structure, you've got the wrong funding, you haven't, you're not getting R&D tax credits, you're not doing this. You know, there's, there's probably seven or eight things. So I was able to write uh, a four-page report on Saturday morning, which would fundamentally change that business. Well, how rewarding is that? To sit in a room and see people smile, and they were f- afraid, and they've now got hope. You know, you turn, no, seriously, you know. Mm. Um, I, I walk out and I think, oh, I, I like being me. You know, this is, mm-hmm. this is a good thing, because you, you, you genuinely are um, helping to change people's lives. And the fact is, you know, there aren't enough people like us out there. Mm. And, and that's why, you know, on a very selfish level, uh, the opportunity for us as a firm is really terrifying almost, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, all, all, all businesses have problems. Um, so, therefore, all businesses will be trying to solve those problems and innovating through solving those problems. Um, so the important thing is getting is getting really good advice but they can maybe not be um um they can they can maybe be reluctant to reach out to get advice but kind of what i'm hearing you say there is it's very 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 important to be well advised yeah the other thing i'd say as well is um what what happens quite often is not just an innovation but you get um let's say four different parts of the system right but they're not actually all talking to each other so you've got A, B, C, D, all of which can help um, the innovator, say, but they're not linked. Mm. So what we do to some extent is we bash through help, that. Help and, and Yes, we, we... So I'll give you a good example of that. So, um, and this, this, is, this is the completely difference between um, pro- proactive advisors who actually understand innovation and uh, people who just carry out a function. So, um, you know, I, I talked about earlier about, you know, I'm starting to get... Uh, quite a serious reputation in the the sort of cognitive sciences field and um, as a result of that um, I have very regular meetings with the newly appointed R&D director uh, in my largest care home client uh, and we talk about all sorts of interesting innovation in our meetings and um, very recently uh, two two really um, excellent people came into our network as trusted partners um, who, who are our um, uh, very, very sort of different patent attorneys and also business, uh, what, you, what you'd call um, knowledge transfer consultants, I suppose, IPR consultants. And um, we got on exceedingly well. And um, through them, because they knew that, you know, what our approach was, um, they've got a client that's made a, a in fact, I introduced Oxana to them yesterday. Um, as a client that's introduced um, a security system um, which is perfect for the care home sector um, and uh, the client has been working with um, University of West of England um, and developing this project so is it another so you've got again you've got a great example of UK uh, at its best someone has come up with a new product innovation um, it's been recognized by the system the University of West of England has said yeah we love this it's now as well this week it's now being developed ready to go obviously because of my reputation uh, so they so the guy through um a transfer consultant phoned me up uh, i made sure that the r&d director of the care home was in the room with me we had a conference meeting 
Uh, and I basically said, I want to trial this product in, in my clients' care homes. I want you to give me exclusivity. We'll do that in all the care homes um, and we'll prove to the market it works. And he said, thank you very much. That's very nice. Mm. So yesterday we actually organised uh, the first prototype going into a home. Uh, the meeting's been arranged, I think, for next week. And obviously with Oxana coming into um, Aspen Way as our um, guru in all such things uh, at a wider level, so um, I got Alexander involved in that. But so what you've got there is is I've been able to join it up. Mm. So we've actually got all, all collaborative the parts innovation. Of, well, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's actually um, very important. All the things that we say we do are actually in reality. So we've got mm. people with ideas, t- making them work, mm. then making sure that 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 original invention actually gets as far down the line as it can, and also bringing people together to create and. You know, added value so one of the things i wanted to mention was uh, i don't want to talk about the dreaded b word um but what bristol bristol yeah exactly <laughs> um but is this a good so for, for businesses listening and and whatever size they might be is this a good time for innovation are we because we, there's a lot of oh, wo- brexit you mean? There's, there's, oh. a lot, there's a lot of worry <laughs> about brexit we won't go into that but is this a good time to be innovating in a business do you think i think it's a good time, any time to be yeah, innovative. Any time, uh, because your idea, your creation can serve people and make their life better. And I don't know, approaching Brexit, I don't think it will make a big difference because people stay creative, people develop the new products to make uh, other people's life better. And I think it's most important. So I totally endorse. Sorry, I totally endorse what Alexander said. The other point I would make is that um, I think uh, in a post-Brexit scenario, that innovation is even more important. Yeah. So um, uh, at the moment, we have a situation where, so if we take the Republic of Ireland, it would, would be a good example. The Republic of Ireland has uh, one of the world's keenest corporation tax rates at twelve and a half percent. That's what managed to get people like Costa and Amazon to set up their headquarters in, in Ireland because obviously it's highly tax efficient for them to do so. If you compare that with the tax rates in, in, in mainland Europe, which can be in the 40%, I think 48% in one of the countries, I can't remember exactly, wow. but probably the average corporation tax rate in Europe would be 35%, I reckon, you know, something, something as high as that. So you, you imagine, you know, you've got a choice going to 35% or 12.5%, mm. you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can get to drink Guinness as well. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's you know, it. Feel the difference. It can't yeah. be bad. And of course, you know what's what's without being political about this. Um, so I'm just telling the truth. It's not a political opinion. Um, as we all know, the EU is dominated by Germany and, to a lesser extent, France, and they don't like the competitive advantage that Ireland has created for itself. So, uh, in my opinion, and I, I will happily uh, eat humble pie on this. Um, the days of Ireland having a 12.5% corporation tax rate are doomed. That, 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 that the EU will do something to stop that um, probably within the next 18 months, I would suggest. So um, outside of Brexit, obviously, we have the ability to operate in a much more um, business-like way. It's quite interesting. I mean, if you actually... I, I actually spend a lot of time now listening. Um, when I get home, I tend to spend an hour every night watching YouTube videos of things like, I don't know, um, Nigel Farage's latest speech in the EU or some 
you know, a German MEP talking or something, and just to, just to get just to keep on what's going on, you know. And um, if you take the Brexit Party, for instance, it's run exactly like it's a limited company. So they if you talk they, they talk about the fact they've got they've got two directors, they have shares, and they run they run their they run their party like it's a corporate body, and I think that's spot on. So if you were to turn around and say, right, you know, the UK is renowned with with a proven history of being the most innovative country in the world, fact, right, uh, with with amazing influence way over and above its population. We're now in this scenario with um, the reality being that the, the real attraction moving forward is what you'd call the brick-brack countries, you know, Brazil, Russia, um, even Indonesia, India, um, China, obviously. These are the huge markets. So if we can actually say, so for instance, if we were to turn around and say, you know, when I was talking earlier that we, we've, we've actually responsible for half of all the great inventions in the world ever, we're going to build a picture where none of those people leave. All of those inventions can be funded in the UK and can stay. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? So, mm. so what should happen in the post-Brexit world is there should be more investment by the government. Mm. The government should be saying, hey, you know, this is, this is the natural home for innovation. We're going to make let's it highly... It. Let's really, really make it attractive for you to be here. Mm. So I think what Oksana said is absolutely true. So you know it'd be like saying to someone about your diet so you know on the whole you should you know, it's a simple thing you know you can't out train a bad diet mm-hmm. uh and if you it's consume more calories than you burn off you will get fatter mm-hmm. you know it's not rocket science um then on top of that you might say to somebody well actually it'd be a good idea if you did four lots of half an hour exercise a week so that would be my analogy with with innovation you should be doing it anyway mm-hmm. why should you be doing it anyway because if you don't do it you're in severe danger as I put in my speech um, someone else will be eating your lunch is what I said and that speech just so you know is available on YouTube you just do a search <laughs> Aspen Weight on YouTube if you haven't already subscribe to the channel and uh, you can watch that talk from the Thames Valley Expo thank you sir Ben it's alright that's what I'm here for great thank you um, and the, I think the, 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 just summing that up really is, is that it's a great time for innovation uh, I heard it. I watched a, a video uh, where someone used the phrase this week, don't sit in the comfy chair. And I think you could probably relate that to, to being innovative. You, you mentioned you should be doing it anyway, but it's something that I think probably goes back to what we've been talking about. People perhaps a, a, a little bit um, um, scared of, of doing it and uh, apprehensive, maybe another word of. And comfortable yes. as well, like you're saying. You well, can actually, get stuck in the same cycles. One of the words um, you often hear me use because I'm more prepared to tell people how I feel than most people are. Um, one of the words would be courage. So if you take yourself, right? So if you don't mind me saying this. Um, it's not directly innovation, but in my opinion, if Aspen Weight is going to achieve the vision I have for it, I, I must have great people, such as Oksana and yourself, would be great examples, okay? Fairly new entrants into the world of Aspen Weight. Now... If you then start thinking about it from a money point of view, and this is the same, so this is a typical mindset. So there's no difference between investing in media and the negative mindset to innovation. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah. So um, 
I'm uncommon insofar as I have an ambition. And we talked last week about sincerity of ambition, didn't we? Which is one of my newly um, appointed slogans, inspired by the two of you, actually. Mm-hmm. So my desire for, for us to take our place as the leading advisors is genuine and sincere and wholehearted. That often requires um, an immense amount of courage. You know, an ability to say, actually, that's a, frick, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but if, I'm, if I don't do that... How, how do I think I'm, I'm going to turn over 40 million, mm. you know? So I think that's, that's, that's the sort of thing. And it's quite a, hard thing, quite a hard thing to teach. It's like a relationship with risk because um, people could see that as a really risky thing to do, but you need to take those jumps sometimes to, to move forward in the way that you need to. Yeah, well, it, it, it obviously, um, you know, so talking about opportunities, I think, you know, one of the things that can um, take place to help that process is mentoring, for instance. So, um, you know, if, if people like, uh, well, even yourself, dis- sorry, I don't mean that to be like that, it wasn't meant to be dis- disparaging. But if you took um, Oksana and myself as good examples, um, you know, if, if, we, if we spend two hours with, with people who are potentially great people on a regular basis, those people are going to be far more prepared and have a mindset to go and do what they need to do than they would on their own. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got, um, you know, I won't mention her name, but um, at the Swindon Expo this year, um, uh, a, a, a young managing director lady um, from Bristol came up to me after my speech and asked me if I would help her. And um, she would be a great example of what I've just talked about. So after, well, after one really long sort of email interrogation stroke phone call and then a follow-up um, meeting... Uh, I was able to say to her within an hour of the, of the meeting, you are already great. I, I know you are already great. You just don't know you are. I'm telling you, you are great. I don't need to do anything other than reassure you that you are great. There's nothing I need to do to make you great. All I need to do is to support you and you already know what to do. You know, And that's often the case. You know, so that's why I think my slogan of taking the fear out of business is such a good one, because quite often people know what to do. They know what to do already. Mm. You know, but you need of, that support. Still. Well, a number of times, even when I was a small child, because I was the kid in the classroom who did do. Yes, I, mean, <laughs> I was. You know, you might not be surprised today. Mm. Um, and the number of times, you know, whether I was ten years old or fifty years old, and. Um, I've said something and say four other people have said I was going to say that or I was thinking that mm. but they don't say it yes. I say it you know that, that's the difference so what my point is is I think everyone has that latent potential in mm-hmm. them everyone can run faster than they think they can this is seriously true I can tell this from a lifetime of playing sport everyone is greater than they think they are they can achieve more than they think they can they can run faster they can they can swim for, you know, every, everything is true so it's just a case of creating the environment and a support network I think harbouring a supportive environment to let that flourish in your business is really important true that was so <laughs> so rock on yeah I think it <laughs> going back to and, and obviously linking directly to, to innovation um, we've, we've talked about people being afraid maybe and having that sort of fear of um, uh, not having that courage but a lot of people and a lot of businesses probably are very innovative and, and have a lot of ideas and, and are going the right way, but do need, as we keep coming back to the education, the guidance, the support, um, almost just like you said, to tell, tell them, well, actually, you're, you're doing it. You just need to do it on a larger scale. You just need to really believe in it to, to, to see it through. 
Yeah. Yeah, and plus we can help uh, them to see a bigger picture. Sometimes they work too hard and they not able to see a bigger picture. Or they reckon too hard in the wrong areas quite yeah. often. And of course, the other thing, you know, without being self-promoting again, is um, one of the things that um, things like Innovate UK grants and R&D tax credits do is, is they make it so much easier to make the right decision. So one of the things I often say to people is um, everything pretty much costs half of what you thought it was going to cost with R&D. You know, that's one of the things I say. If you thought it was going to cost £100,000, you knew it's the right thing to do anyway. That's the point. You know you mm. should spend £100,000 on that new but system. But that makes it easier to do. But actually, it's only going to cost you 53000 because mm. I'm going to get you £47,000 back. Yeah. You know? So it's, not, it's, it, it's, 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 um, it's, it's a cocktail. Yeah, there are lots of different things. So you could say, you know, that there's a, lots of different things in the drink that you need to give people to give them total success. Support, cash, experience, mm. you know, introduction, collaboration. All these different things come together to give, you know... A really effective advisory solution, and and you and, and it's worth saying as well. With businesses that are listening, people that are listening that are, are inspired by this, if they if they say, well, actually, I, I want that guidance, I want that help, that support, that education, then this is the place to come to. We are the we are the natural place for anyone to come to. I would say, seriously, and to contact us, uh, podcast at aspenweights.co.uk. Aspen. <laughs> Let's do a take two to contact us. Uh, I think you might want to start watching Loose Women at this point. <laughs> Podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk or um, if it's a genuine general inquiry, it'd be info at aspen-weight.co.uk and we're always happy to hear from you, to help you in any way that we can. Uh, Paul's personal email is paul at aspen-weight.co.uk. He's already, oh, I, can, I know I can say that because he's always happy to speak to people. Um, so there we I, go. I don't, don't normally speak to them by internet, but there we are. But mm-hmm. I'm emails, but take your point, Mr. Drew. First point of call for contacts. I'll tell you what we will do in, in, uh, in the future weeks. We'll use these, utilise these nice buttons here that will have a jingle, which will we'll just give yeah. those details out. I think yeah, that, or we'll record you doing it and stick it in there. Yeah. Take one. Aspen <laughs> Something like that. Um, Paul's going to do the jingles. <laughs> and yeah, I was going to say, Oksana, is there anything that we haven't co- covered um, that you'd like to um, talk about? Or I think we covered everything. I just oh. I had a few good examples about the personalized medicine. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, this is a new thing. Uh, as now we um, discover more about our, our genomes, um, okay. the new startups, uh, the, the companies creating the personalized medicines, especially in oncology and rare diseases, it means that in the nearest future, if you have a certain disease, doctor will be able to prescribe the medicine only for you, which will work perfectly only on you, based on your genome. Fantastic. It's amazing. Sounds good. And yeah. Staggering, really. The, the, that is, yeah, for, to take that away from uh, right at the, at the end of the podcast. That is. You did, that, you did mm. that for me at the expo, which I was delighted by. Made us look so good. Mm. That's, why, that's why working with great people makes you great, you see. That's a tip. Working with great people makes you great. And that, that's a great way to... <laughs> and, and nicely done right at the end as we're 59 minutes into our one-hour podcast. Perfect timing. Yes. So this, this week we're playing out with an iconic song. Oh, I'm allowed to say that, Drew? Iconic, yeah. That sounds good. It is iconic, isn't it? So um, 
Um, you know, we've, I think we've, Bowie. We, we've we've given um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of respect to uh, David Bowie in previous uh, podcasts. Uh, so one of the few people in my lifetime one could call uh, a musical genius, in my opinion. And uh, this is um, a song called Heroes, which all of you will be aware of. Um, and uh, I think you know it's got it's just got such uh, wonderful lyrics, and they're, and they're extremely inspiring. And you know, when I hear this, I sort of think that anything is possible. And you know, why wouldn't you want to swim like a dolphin could swim? You know, what a great lyric, eh? Even better than rhododendrons are a nice flower, in my opinion. What we had last week. So um, everyone should want to swim like a dolphin. I certainly would. I'd love to fly like an eagle, fly like an eagle, swim like a dolphin, and eat like a buffalo. <laughs> the single best introduction of that song that I've ever heard. And before the big button gets pressed, don't forget to um, don't forget to share and tell somebody about this podcast uh, today. And 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 I'll leave it to Drew to say thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you very much, listeners, and we'll catch you next time. for one